Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. It takes determination and discipline. So many people have the determination, but there is zero discipline. So many people have started, have made it a plan in their heart. I'm going to start devotions this year. I'm going to read the Bible through this year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to teach a Sunday school class. I'm going to do this. And they never begin. Imagine a person who regularly begins projects with a passion, but abandons them when they become difficult. They do this for years and end up with a house full of half-finished projects. They never become accomplished at anything left with only good intentions. If you're treating your spiritual life the same way, be prepared to end up with a bunch of good intentions and no results. When the Lord leads you to step up in your home, with your friends, in your workplace, you may be excited at first, but at the first sign of rejection or difficulty, you bail. Seek the Lord for a right heart, which will spur you on to persevere and accomplish His goals. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 7, with the conclusion of our message entitled, Solomon's Wise Choice. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks, the door will be open. There it is, Pastor Mark, automatically. I just ask for whatever I want, so I'm not going to come to me. Turn over to John 15, 7. Now we begin to find a little things that are added to those. So you cannot pick a promise out of the Word of God without understanding the context. You also can't understand, you can't pick a thing without looking at the whole principles of the Word of God. John 15, 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Well, the first part of that whole promise is the key. My words remain in you. Well, what are his words? Seek first the kingdom of God. So see, the focus is never on things. Now turn over to 1 John chapter 5. Here's the balance. We have to be careful because it is a pretty dangerous gospel because it really satisfies my natural desire. I want to be rich. I want to have everything. I don't want any problems in my life. So it kind of fits right in with what people want. But I can tell you, after seeing it for 40 years, it destroys people. Because when they don't get it, they blame God. And many of them are never walking in a church again. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Here's the balance to it. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, circle it, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, 
Whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we have asked of him. Now, when you look at all of these situations, Jesus is not talking to a mass of people who don't know him. He's always talking his principles, especially in these cases, to his disciples. A disciple is one who chose three things. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So he's not speaking to the general guy who says, ask whatever. Okay, come join this Jesus guy. Anything you want, just ask. We go for it. No, he's talking to the guys he's already said, you want to follow me? It's going to cost you. Well, how much is it going to cost me? Everything. So deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Now, along the way, I'm going to bless you like crazy. But guess what? Some of you are going to be in prison. Some of you are going to be beheaded. As Paul said, I had times when I had everything, and I had times when I had nothing. Well, Paul, something wrong with your faith. I'd like to have faith like Paul, would you? Not a bad guy. See, you have to balance it. But let's go back to Chronicles. God does say, hey, Solomon, because you ask rightly. Remember, Matthew 6.33, seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, the other things will come. So God was pleased. Same thing for all of us. Now, what happened was that Solomon asked for wisdom. We need to ask for wisdom. If any of you lack for wisdom, the James chapter 1.5 says we should ask of God. There's only one person who can give true wisdom, and that's God. Anytime that you're in this church and you go to a pastor or a counselor or one of the elders, when we pray for you, when we open our conversation, I always pray for God's wisdom in every single counseling session because I don't have the wisdom. I need his wisdom. So when you come, you can absolutely know that God, some of you here tonight, we're all here with different needs, but some of you here tonight, you absolutely need wisdom. I'll, I'll share with you at the end. You can pray for it. God will absolutely give you wisdom. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he absolutely will direct your path. That's another part of the prayer of Jabez. Now you say, well, God, here's the way I want you to direct my path. No, that's not what it says. It says, God, I I just turned myself over to you. I'm making these plans, God, but you direct my steps because he knows what's good for us. So Solomon prays this, and all of a sudden, God gives him all these other goodies. And that goes along with Ephesians 3.20. Now him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to the power that's worked within us. See, see, he asked for wisdom and he gets all the rest. He probably would have asked, you and I would have asked for maybe wealth. That would have been it. Now, I want you to take your finger there and go back to 1 Kings because there was a condition to the rest of this promise. See, there are some promises in the Bible and I'll try to point them out to you when we go through. There are some promises in the Bible that are totally unconditional. We'll read one tonight. God's promise never to leave you, never forsake you. That has nothing to do with me. That's totally God. God says, I'm able to supply all your needs according to my riches. That's totally unconditional from God. Now, here's, here was the conditional one. 1 Kings 3, verse 14. This is the same passage basically back in Kings Again, a little different perspective in Chronicles. This was given to King Solomon. And if you walk in my ways, circle the big word if. Whenever you see a conditional promise, you'll see the word if. So God says, 
I'll do these things for you. I'll give you long life as your father David had. But there's a condition to this one. There's a condition. And he lists a condition. If you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you long life. So that's the stipulation. Same as we read back in John. If you remain in him and his words remain in you, then you can ask whatever. See, people who come to Christ want to live a carnal life and then come to God whenever they need it. No, that's not the relationship we're talking about here. We're talking about an ongoing relationship. He said the same thing to Solomon. Solomon, if you walk in my ways, walk as a lifestyle. And if you obey my commands, then things will go well for you. Now, what does that absolutely say? In the negative, it says if. If you stop walking in my way, if you quit obeying, is there trouble ahead? Oh, there's trouble ahead. And that's exactly what he's saying. But he's positive, notice. He just says it right there, so that's your choice. All right, back to Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 13. Then Solomon went to Jerusalem from the high place at Gibeon, and before the tent of the meeting, and he reigned over all of Israel. So once again... He went back, he worshiped God. After seeing that, what a wonderful God's goodness was, he had to go back and he worshiped again. Now, verse 14 through 17 tell us that God keeps his promises. He said to him, you will have wealth, you'll have all of these things. So let's read them. Now, Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones. Now, if you've ever been to Jerusalem... It is nothing but stones. That must be a picture to see. In other words, you talk about riches. And cedar as plentiful as sycamore trees in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt, so he became a trader. I mean, this guy was incredibly wise. Were imported from Egypt, and from Ketha, royal merchants purchased them from Q. They imported a chariot from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. They also exported them to all the kings of the Hittites, in the Arameans. Now, so what you're seeing is, all of a sudden Solomon is taken over and now he's amassing to himself lots of horses and obviously, not only horses, but lots of money. Keep your finger there, turn back to Deuteronomy 17. God had spoken earlier to the kings and told them of things that would be a problem in the future. See, God knows the future. He, know, he knows exactly the kind of things that can cause us problems. So back in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, I'll just start with verse 14, but then I'm going to skip down. Verse 14, when you enter the land and your God has given you, have taken possession of it and settled it. Head on down to uh, verse 16. The king, moreover, must not acquire what? Great number of horses for himself. So what is Solomon doing? He's accumulating great numbers of horses. Remember, God said to him, if you'll obey my commands. And you're going to say, well, how did Solomon start so great and then up so poor? You're beginning to get the picture. Okay. Remember I told you before, he should have asked for wisdom for who? His personal life. You see, some people say, man, man, a great teacher, wonderful, great elder, great uh, small group leader. No, what I want to be is a great man of God, privately. The rest comes. See, that's the problem. Notice 
Read on. The king must not acquire himself a great number of horses himself or make the people return to Egypt by the way he did that to get more of them for the Lord has told you. You must not go back that way again. Verse 7, he must not take many wives. Is Solomon going to have a problem with that? No. He's just going to have a thousand mother-in-laws. <laughs> Need I say more? I better be careful. Let's move on quickly. Here's the last part. Here's the last part of verse 17. He must not, what? Accumulate large amounts of stones. No. Silver and gold. So what's he doing? If you're in baseball, he just struck out. And we'll see what's happening. So you can see the problem. So earlier, God had spoken this. So the problem is that Salman doesn't use the wisdom God gave him now, he's going to use the wisdom God gave him to rule the people wonderfully, but he doesn't use it in his own private life. My ministry is not the key. My private time with God is the key. Who I am in private is who I really am. It's the same for you. See, the rest of it flows out of that. It absolutely flows out of that. So my first responsibility is to God, and one-on-one, then to my wife, then if you're so apparent to your children, then to work, then to your ministry. Don't mix up your ministry with your time with God. It's different. Very easy for a pastor to do. I cannot do it. I fight it all the time. Because when I, when I read my private devotions, I get a million things. Ooh, that's a good thing for next week and whatever. And God has to say, whoa, 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 whoa. not interested about next week. I'm interested in you. And I, it's hard for me. So I have to back up and go, okay, I'm putting this on over here. and Let's deal with me. Okay. I'm pretty good, aren't I? No, I'm not. Okay, we'll write that one down. <laughs> so that's where it comes. See, because if he can deal with me privately, then I can be used publicly. You get it? And that's where Solomon blew it. He's being used great publicly, but he's blowing it privately. Awesome thing that has to happen in our lives. Chapter 2. Now, I'm not going to read all these next two chapters, because you can read all the gold and all that jazz, but i got some really keys that we're going to go through there quickly. Solomon gave orders to build a temple for the name of the Lord and a royal palace for himself. So they're going to replace the old tent. They're going to build it in Jerusalem. They're going to put it all together. All the feasts would be together. All the worship would be together. It would be one God. And he conscripted 70,000 men as carriers and 80,000 as stonecutters in the hills and 3,600 as foremen over them. This is not a small project. By the way, it took seven years to build it. Solomon sent this message to Hiram, king of Tyre. Send me cedar logs as you did for my father David when you sent him cedar to build a palace to live in. So David had started gathering his materials. Solomon's going to finish it. You can't bring the equipment out to put it together. You have to use people. Tyre was this, remember this pagan Phoenician city. It was kind of a, a wealthy port city. And it was a major source of this cedar. And so that's where they got it from. Verse 4, now I'm able about to build a temple for the name of the Lord my God and to dedicate it to him for burning fragrant incense before him, for setting out the consecrated bread regularly, for making burnt offerings every morning and evening on the Sabbath, the new moons, and the appointed feasts in the Lord our God. This is a lasting ordinance for Israel. So as he's just relaying what's going to take place, how it's going to be, remember that temple would be the focal point. In the morning when you got up, saw the smoke going up, it was the start of your day. In the end, 
when you get out outside your tent, your little home or whatever, the smoke's going up. It was the end of your day. From the rising of the sun to the going down, the name of the Lord is to be praised. It's not a partial thing. It's, it's our life. We're not weird. It's just our life. And the joy of the Lord is ours through the day. So this is what was happening. Verse 5. The temple I'm going to build will be great because our God is greater than all other gods. Then Solomon began thinking, but who is able to build a temple for him? Since the heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain him. Who then am I to build a temple for him except as a place to burn sacrifices before him? So Solomon's thinking, well, I know the Shekinah glory of God is always there in the holies of holies, but really, is that all God is, is in the little holies of holies? Well, we know that's not true because God's what? Omnipresent. He's everywhere. David, his father, would say back in Psalm 137, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. So, with us understanding the omnipresence of God, I think there's two important keys for both of us. Number one, if you're a sinner, you cannot get away from God. He'll hound you. He'll always convict you. That's what happened to the prodigal, you remember? He's in that pig pen. Well, who was on his case? God was. His earthly father didn't know where he was. His heavenly father knew where he was. And he remembered back how good it was. Some of you have prodigals. God knows where they're at. He's working on them. He's convicting them through the person of the Holy Spirit. You just keep praying. Now, the second aspect for those of us as Christians is good. God will never leave us. That means that I can't go anywhere that God isn't. So wherever you're at, you can relax. God's there. He's gone before you. His presence is there. His power is there. It's important. I think it's very important. Now, in verses 7 through 15, you can read those kind of as you want at home. It just goes and talks about the, the kind of stuff that they're building with, the other nations that were going to be involved, the skilled labor that was going to be necessary, and how God gave Solomon wisdom to do it. God gave Solomon all this wisdom. He's 20, probably never built a thing before in his life, didn't have a Lego set, <laughs> but he had God. He had God. Look at chapter 3. Something very important in chapter 3. Let's go back to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1, read that and read chapter 3, verse 1. Solomon gave orders to build a temple. So in, in chapter 2, verse 1, he decided to build a temple. Now look at chapter 3, verse 1. Then Solomon, what? He began to build the temple in the Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David. It was on the threshing floor of Aronud the Jebusite, the place provided by David. You see, it takes determination and discipline. It takes determination and discipline. So many people have the determination, but there is zero discipline. So many people have started, have made a, a plan in their heart. I'm going to start devotions this year. I'm going to read the Bible through this year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to teach a Sunday school class. I'm going to do this. And they never begin. You see, he determined to build, and then what? 
He disciplined himself and actually began building. Think tonight of your own life. Let me just write the word in your mind. Unfinished projects. Now, I'm not talking about the three things you have in the garage or whatever. That you, that's, I'm talking about spiritual in your life. Things that you absolutely, God spoke to you, you wanted to finish, you wanted to do. Some of you guys, look at some of you guys out here tonight. God spoken to you a long time ago to be the spiritual leader of the home. Oh, I'm going to be that. Well, well, how do you start? Well, you start with your quiet time first. Then you get in a men's group where they can kick you around a little bit. In a gentle way and say, how you doing? <laughs> okay. Some of your wives have said, I'm going to be submissive to my husband in a godly way and leave God deal with him. But you've been taking it up and trying to read it again, haven't you? The old riot acts at home. There it goes. That's that mother-in-law story again, just in a different form. So you have to let God. You have to let God. Now, where's David at? Solomon's building this, and let me just say this, and let me see where I'm at. Let me just say this. He's building it in the very same place that David was directed to. And it was there on Mount Moriah. And it was the very same place that a thousand years before that Abraham was directed to by God. And it's the very same place a thousand years later that Jesus Christ died on that same range of mountains that he was directed to. God orchestrated all that for the Romans, all of those people directed by God. And by the way, God is in the middle of directing the fourth temple. The plans are already done. They're in process. We just don't know exactly where on that mountain it's going to be, but it's been there. So what does that mean? God can direct our lives. That's what God spoke to me as I was coming tonight. That some of you are in a quandary right now. And you need direction. Whether it's a job, a relationship, breaking up one, starting one, getting married, finances, moving. I don't know what it is tonight. But you need direction. See, Solomon goes to the place that God had directed his father to build the temple. It's the same place a thousand years later Abraham was directed, same place a thousand years, and who knows how far in the future. God is able to direct our lives. He's able to give you wisdom tonight. And I just want to challenge you. You and I need God's wisdom to live life. He's given us the Holy Spirit to direct us. Life is not made of huge, big chunks of wisdom. Life is made in the small details of life. Just allow God to direct you in those small details of life. Just allow him to direct you. Just say, God, as we talked about at the beginning, when Solomon went at the altar and he says, Hey, you can have me. I want to be used by you. Greatest thing you can have, guys, is every morning just watch God direct us. Some will be mundane, normal, whatever. We don't see. But remember, God is always, listen, God is always at work in the background of our life. Because he's using us for his honor and his glory. He's alive. He's using you. When Solomon set out to build the Lord's temple, he was young and inexperienced. But with God's wisdom, he accomplished that goal. In today's message from Second Chronicles, Pastor Mark told us what it takes to receive a word from God and move forward with it. 
determination, and discipline. He asked us to consider the direction that we've received from the Lord and whether or not we followed through. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll continue through the book of Second Chronicles when we'll hear about the specifications for the temple. As beautiful as it is, the purpose is not for us to marvel at the physical space, but for our focus to be on worship. It's a long process as Solomon builds the temple. As we'll hear from Pastor Mark, spiritual maturity takes a long time to build and nurture. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of 2 Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living.